Hey everybody, welcome to Stream of Coffeeness. I'm the writer. And I'm the musician. Welcome to another podcast. Could be our third. Who's keeping track? <laughs> yeah, only Sweeney. She's on my lap. She's licking herself. Oh, that's my cat. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually licking coffee off her tail. Oh, yeah. So uh, to that, I would say cheers. Cheers. And if you have coffee, cheers to you as well. Yum. That sip was delicious. Mmm, creamy. Yeah. So creamy. So one thing we love to talk about is art. We love it. This is our jam. And best to just be doing art. Talking about art seems meaningless. But somehow uh, the words can give you some direction sometimes or, or help you. Inspire you. Inspire uh, some clarity, focus. You can help direct. There's great books. We'll probably recommend along the way. Things like uh, Steal Like an Artist or a book called Art and Fear. Oh, they're so good. I love those books. Or something like the, um, what is that book? That she takes you along the journey and makes you do the writing pages. And there's it's a whole. The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. That one's great. That's a great book. So yeah, get inspired. Yeah, and then make art and make share art. it with us. Mm. Well, art, most people would say, is creation. Creative. A creative effort. You're creating something. Definitely. It's definitely a space of blank nothingness that's an easy and then one then we create something i think everyone you say art is creation everybody go yes yes but if i said that art was destructive <laughs> like art is kind of violent and art is the destroying there's a violence or a destruction to art people yeah. wouldn't necessarily agree they might think that that's not art if you're destroying things. If there's a destructive quality of violence to the art, like, might rub people the wrong way. They think it's creative and beautiful and... and what is the Indian god, Vishnu, that is the god of destruction, right? I'd have to look it all up, but there is a god of, <laughs> of course. creation. Destruction. So insert your own god of destruction. <laughs> yeah. Whoever your god of destruction is. It's all part of it. But there is destruction in art. You take a blank piece of paper or a blank canvas and destroy it with your writing. You take the canvas and, and with each stroke, if you put another stroke on top of that, you're destroying the first stroke. Like... You can even like uh, fix mistakes. Like you can put something on a piece of art and not like it and just destroy it by doing over, but you're actually creating your vision, your beauty. What would be another word besides destroy? Because destroy 
I mean, destroys sounds, or maybe that's see, just me. See, I've even rubbed you the yeah. wrong way, and it even yeah. doesn't sit well with you. Because destroy sounds like something's being taken away and really like forever, like destroyed. It is. That's the 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 butterfly. the The butterfly destroys the cocoon and destroys the the chrysalis and destroys the the the. Like it's no longer pretty and perfect and beautiful. But then it becomes something beautiful. That's, um, I'd almost have to grab the book. Emerges and flies and just becomes itself. Illusions by Richard Bach. And he states that, um, oh my gosh, I'd have to grab it. I'd actually have to grab it. If you could talk. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about if stuff. If you could talk, I, I, would, I would grab it. But, um, we can even edit. Just it's about the butterfly. Out. Oh yeah, <laughs> just uh, fast forward to where I actually say the meaningful <laughs> quote. <laughs> I just know that I love his book called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Oh, that's yeah, that's wonderful. How a bird went away from the flock to go follow his dream of flying the highest he could fly in the fastest he could fly i'm glad you i i loved illusions i didn't know about that book and you turned me on to it and i read it i love turning you on all right <laughs> <laughs> uh, cheers cheers <laughs> the quote by richard bach what the caterpillar calls the end of the world the master calls the butterfly Damn. Wow. So it is the end, end of something. You've ended that blank canvas. You've ended the silence with your music. You've. That word feels more in alignment than destroy. I don't think there's too much difference. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. probably two different words for the same thing. Yeah. Calling it um, a lovely surprise from your bottom instead of poop. Lovely, it's a lovely surprise. <laughs> surprise! But speaking of which, then you don't always have to. Uh, some artists have proved that you don't always have to end or destroy to create the art. Um, John Cage did a piece that is three minutes and 33 seconds of silence. And that is the piece, that is the music, is an empty space. Mm. I love that. It is. That is. And for continuity, keep talking about nothing and something and everything. So nothing ends the moment you put something in the nothing. Mm. Yes. Once you have something, you can't have nothing. You have something. And if you have nothing... We talk about inspiration for the artist. The inspiration is the nothing. A blank wall to a graffiti artist is everything. And and the blank page to the writer and, and oh, yeah. silence to a composer. They love. hear the music in their head and they have to get it out. It's inspiration to have that. You wouldn't be inspired, although some are. To By the a, emptiness. To a done, no, a completed painting. You wouldn't be inspired to go paint on it. You wouldn't take a page and want to write on another writer's writing. Or some people, I guess, do. 
Yeah. No, I'm inspired by the blank, empty. It's an invitation. It is. There's an invitation there. It really is. Have you ever had those times in your life where you wanted to, like what you're saying, you know, destroy or end, you know, so much in your life in order to build again? You have to. Like I was thinking of like the time when I was 20 years old and I literally gave almost everything away to move somewhere and build a new life for myself. And yeah, I barely kept anything. Literally, I was like everything I just gave away. And it felt really good to just have nothing, just have myself to open to whatever new was coming for me. It's like hoarders. They can't move on in their life. They hoard and keep everything. Nothing is ever. Oh my God, that would be terrifying. Nothing. That would be terrifying because I think I psychically like feel things that like when I have too much stuff in my house, I can feel my brain like like becoming claustrophobic and like shrinking. So they can't create a new life. Uh, you letting go of everything, not really everything. There's some things you keep, but in essence, those things that you keep drag your old life into the new life. Yeah. And maybe artists sticking to their ideal of their first album drag mm. people drag their career with this idea that they can't change they can't let go of any of their past or or what they've done that's for so something. much pressure for people to live up to something from the past instead of just you know Kind of like we're always having those cocoons you were talking about all through life and breaking through to emerge from who you are now versus who you were in the past. Because we are always changing. Yes. How the Beatles, you know, took radical diversions and changes and became something bigger than they ever could have been if they kept doing the same, I want to hold your hand, 50s style, 60s. Someone like Radiohead, they kept their first album. They would never be as huge as they are, but they've been experimental and, and growing. I think that journey is fascinating for people oh, yeah. to see the artists just follow their own creative impulse and trust it and flow with it. Mm. It's almost like the people that are listening or watching or reading or whatever it be can feel that trust that even the artist had in themselves and they trust, you know, they, they become a fan and they follow them and like really get excited for the next thing. Right. Like people trusted somebody like Andy Warhol or, yes, or whoever. If we yeah. think about Prince or David Bowie, big, big artists that have had a lot of different transitions and changes and kept going and growing as an artist. There's people that would just digest and buy anything and, and be a part of, want to be a part of any of the movement. 
Gary Shandling. We saw that documentary on him, a comedian. The Zen of Gary Shandling. Watch it. Oh, my God. It's so good. That was so cool to see him change in his life. And, you know, those times in his life when he literally ended, like, this part of his career that he was even successful in. He was like, nope. I'm feeling something new come in and I need to do this. And he he did it. He would have been a writer probably his whole life just writing comedy if he hadn't taken the leap to doing stand-up and getting his shot on The Tonight Show or uh, Merv Griffin or, you know, whatever shows. And even then, this is in the Larry Sanders show and sort of a thing that happens where people used to get their big breaks on The Tonight Show or The Ed Sullivan or that would be their big break. So a comedian can't wait to do their tight five-minute set on one of those shows and get out to millions of people and really start their career there. That then getting that break and getting that start, honoring that person, they would then be reluctant to do other people's shows competition really yeah so they would like stick to the tonight show and just do that and not do the other shows but it would hurt their career but then they'd have to be in growth to keep moving forward and keep doing new things and leaps and take leaps and from him to go from writing tv shows to stand-up comedy Years and years of stand-up comedy, and then to go to his own television shows. The It's Gary Shandling Show, which was groundbreaking, probably created what would become The Office or shows like that because it was just so different. That's so true. And Larry Sanders' show, which is one of my favorite things that like ever happened on television, one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. It was so brilliant to to look at a talk show from behind the scenes and see what happens, what you're not supposed to see, what happens behind the curtain. You made me think just now when you were saying all that about taking the leap in our art or in life or in anything and everything. That when we take the leap and we're ending or destroying something, even in taking the leap, that would be our fear, right? Oh, yes. That we're ending and destroying some fear inside of ourselves, moving through it. Yes. That's uh, Jerry Seinfeld. An interview with Jerry Seinfeld, he he said that the, the really good comedy, the really good comedians your setup for a joke is a leap of faith and the punchline is the landing and there's timing in between your jump and your landing and some stretch that leap out and and stretch the leap so that when the punchline lands it has more impact and some leap and land fast to sort of surprise you because there's no time in between the most important thing in comedy do you know what the most important thing in comedy is Timing? Yes. You couldn't even let me land the... <laughs> oh. you, you stole the punchline from me. Oh, what is it? <laughs> well, most people don't say the, the punchline. I say, like, what is the most important thing in comedy? And you, timing. Try, you try to say, I don't know. And while you're saying, I don't know, I interrupt you with timing. Oh. 
I was thinking like you were gonna say something like it's like sex with edging. So when you're taking <laughs> like when you're extending the timing. I've now <laughs> that is like edging. I've now completely <laughs> forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> Let's just talk about sex. <laughs> and play some salt and pepper. You know, because you gotta like some people try to do it really fast, you so, know, like you were talking about so here we go. your comedy. Now we'll do now we'll do it perfectly, ready? <laughs> Okay. So what's the most important thing in comedy? Stingy. <laughs> You're supposed to say I don't know. I'll I'll feed you the lines. <laughs> Cheers. You're even better than the perfect straight person for a joke. Like there's you have one joker and the one straight person. But even some of the best straight people are so incredible because they're so unpredictable. Yeah. Here again, Larry Sanders' show, Hank, his sidekick was, he was kind of cringy. So he would cringe, but Larry would always defend. He's a beautiful, beautiful person because he's so unpredictable. It's like he's a gift. Oh, I love that. I love the unpredictability, like, because it's so, like, present, like, in the moment. Hey, now. You know? <laughs> Is that what Hank says? Yeah, that's hey an inside now. joke. Hey, now. <laughs> so back to, like, what we were talking about with Sex? destruction. Oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Destruction. Timing. cheers cheers you're a gift Mm. well destruction or ending people think that uh, art is such a creative endeavor and don't realize some of the other side of it which everything has the everything has another side like there's a duality where yeah. light has dark and happiness has sadness and both exist at the same time. And to ignore one can have such an effect on the other one, like almost negate it. Like happy life with no sadness at all would theoretically have less happiness in it than a life that has both immense sadness and immense happiness. And the immense happiness is only built upon that immense sadness. Awareness because, of the sadness. Because you have to have comparison. If the lowest moment in your life is like still pretty amazing and wonderful and beautiful, you know, then that's your lowest moment. And so your highest moment can't be that high. There's nowhere to go. How they say, like, once you've hit rock bottom, there's a beauty because there's nowhere to go but up. You letting go of everything in your life. There's yeah. nowhere to go but create a new life. because but you create. And it feels like everything's been destroyed when you're at that bottom. Like, completely ended. And, they're, they, they and the power is in the creating. Right, they need each other. From that space. It needs, that space needs it. In order to move forward. 
It gives to it. It's very generous, actually. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it in the moment, but it is. There's something really generous in that space when you tap into it. And that's in life and in art, too. The Like if something ends in our life and a new beginning happens, when I think of that in an artistic sense, there feels like, it feels like the imagination. You know, that's a world, too. Mm-hmm. Hard to imagine something new with, with all the old stuff in the way. So much energy. So much energy to move through. And sometimes it's so sticky. And you're just like, Ugh. See, maybe that's even it. The energy, that um, vibration and energy that, that clutters. Like you said about the imagination. How can you imagine, you know, a new piece of art on the wall when the old one is still there? So maybe just taking the old piece down would l- allow the imagination to be free. have that have that space and freedom to to actually imagine the new piece Something of art. Something new. That is so beautiful. I feel that. <laughs> I feel that so strongly. It makes me think of traveling, and when you set off on that adventure you just feel so open and free like you can do anything and it's good for the imagination it's good for your sense of adventure for connection it expands like your map of the world if you never leave your hometown it's a tiny little thing and every travel your map grows larger I want to go traveling. And your <laughs> wealth of experience and the people you encounter. I mean, the, you know, the more you travel the world, you would touch so much that internal map, if we call it, or that internal space, it, it becomes broad and wide and, and depth and so much more. It's like you break down walls inside yourself and, and this bigger space inside of you can imagine more because you've seen so much. You can imagine more, even more places that you can travel. You can imagine more people that you can touch, more foods, more art, more everything. There's more. There's theoretically infinite. But. Yes. So much, yeah. That's the everything. another comfortable silence if you only have one comfortable yeah i'm gonna lay down yeah and make snow angels in the silence (laughs) 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 a bed of silence they call it that's uh in radio a bed of silence or they that they put down a uh like a music track as a bed a music bed Instead of a music silence. I mean a bed of silence. Oh, a bed yeah. of music versus a bed of silence. I'm confused now. I'm just kidding. And <laughs> <laughs> radio, they would they would ask you, you know, do you want like a bed of silence or do you want a music bed? Like, oh, I'd put some music on and they would put a little music in the background and talk over it. Silence is supposed to be like a death in radio. 
like radio announcers, why they never stop talking and they can just gush and they go, Oh, hey everybody, it's 1040 in the hour and the weather is pretty clear and the next song I'm going to play is this and they just keep talking. They never stop. That is so like unnerving <laughs> because like it's like, Cayate for a moment. They've like, done the studies. Relax. Is that people's brains yeah, it's and people. ADHD and ADD and they always need to be having something. Five seconds of silence and you're like, oh, I guess that show's over. And you just turn to the next station and they can't do that. They have advertisers. They need to keep you like wow. on the hook. They have to keep you like. But being in a bed feels so good. Even a bed of silence. <laughs> Apparently not in radio. And apparently people are it's not like comfortable. It's like a snuggle. Silence is, can be a snuggle. But most people refer to it as uncomfortable silence versus comfortable silence. See, we have to like snuggle ourselves in the silence when you're like a person, you know, is so needing to grab something outside of themselves with their attention, you know. But then when silence comes, maybe it's good to just say, okay, I get to snuggle myself in this moment. <laughs> silence that's meditation you have to practice that turning off of the mind the silence it's so, so uncomfortable for most people yeah they ask like what do i do during meditation what do i think about nothing really i get it though What's i that feel like? that even in myself like at times at times i love it at other times it's more uncomfortable i think i'm still trying to find my way through it it seems to all have information for me. The silence feels really loud to me. Like I get to decode, you know, vibrations in myself, like feelings or thoughts. There's you know, like it's all information and I, I'm actually fascinated by it. But I'm not always comfortable with it. But I'm fascinated. Beyond even whether or not you think you're comfortable or uncomfortable with silence, Humans aren't really built for it. There is a room that is the most soundproof room in the world. But no human can spend more than an hour in that room without having like severe mental trauma. Like you can go completely nuts. We talked about this in our first episode. That room. <laughs> and then we didn't talk for 40 minutes. <laughs> And went nuts. Actually, so I want to hear from the listeners. Feel free to write in and let us know. How would you feel if we said we started our intro with the podcast for one episode and said, hey, everybody, I'm the writer. I'm the musician. You know, welcome to Stream of Coffeeness. And then we had silence for 40 minutes or 20 minutes even. Would you like that? Would you welcome it? Would you invite it? Well, they would turn it off. <laughs> Studies have shown. Even though it would give you the space to create your own podcast. You would talk over and take, you know, take the podcast and each person would have an individual experience. It'd be very unique. Nobody would have the same. That sounds cool. <laughs> We'll have to research because there is the, you know, John Cage did silence. Um, there was a band that actually 
I forget which band, a punk band that in tribute to John Cage, or you know, at least in Steal Like an Artist, in the in the spirit of Steal Like an Artist, did one minute and eleven seconds of silence to you know, complement his three minutes and thirty three seconds of silence. But then the John Cage Foundation, those people went and sued that band and won because John Cage already had the copyright on a song that is silent. So nobody can now release silence as an art form because John Cage has it trademarked. Or how would you steal like an artist for that signature piece? I don't even know. (laughs) You can't. You theoretically can't. He he really did that. Like he nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. But then other artists, you know, I I had a, a hour long or more discussion. Uh, read argument (laughs) with somebody in a bar looking at a frame on the wall and they said that's stupid and I said no that's art and they said that is absolutely not art that's just a frame on the wall like behind it you can see the wall so it's is is a wall art I'm like once you frame it yes it is and Frank Zappa said that he said you have to frame your art you have to put a beginning and an end and frame it and then give it to the consumer uh, or the the listener or the whoever it is, he didn't say consumer, he said listener, but he he was sort of warning musicians like, you can't do this freeform nonsense. You have to start somewhere, end somewhere, clearly frame your art, and then give it to the people. And so I would argue that you put a frame on the wall and that's art, and it'll always be unique because it's a different wall. It's a different something. There's something going on. And what maybe the person that you were talking with saw was the wall but what if when you were looking at it you saw a picture of me and you together and we were smiling and happy and but it was in your imagination isn't that just as real Uh, some artists could go up and draw a circle and now it's a circle inside of a frame and it's interactive art a fly lands on it that's real-time art (laughs) it's Yeah, real-time art. I, I can't I can't help but be on the side of that is art. Whatever's inside the frame is art. Um, and there's a beauty to that, I think. Because there's a freedom. Instead of thinking that artists have to follow rules, I don't think there are rules. And once you give an artist rules, they'll find a way to break them. Oh, yeah. That's the, the nature of the imagination we... We can't help but the minute that... It's part of destroying, right? Right. An ending, yes. That um, another quote, I don't know who said it, that while scientists are busy creating better mousetraps, nature is busy creating better mice. <laughs> nature will find a way. Or even then, like we're saying, artists will find a way. Yeah. I think the moment you give artists rules, they'll find a way to break them. And that pushes art. Like uh I support it. Say in I Project Runway, it. they're always like talking about pushing the edges and, and going pushing further. Their, going further. Not just doing the same outfits, the same techniques, the same everything. When they see something pushing challenge, fashion. Yeah. Challenge yourself. Challenge your own mind. Even challenging the, the audience. Mm-hmm. And their imagination. Yes. Like I was trying to challenge that person to accepting that the frame 
creates the art, like framing the art really helps you. Did they ever see it different? No. No, they really, really adamant that it's a cop-out for an artist to just put a frame on the wall and frame nothing. Or then they started talking about how these people do these pieces that are just black, you know, and just canvas, painted black, throw it on the wall and call it art. And sell it for $4,000. Whatever someone's willing to pay. The Banksy. Uh, Banksy did a perfect piece. He created a frame that had a shredder built into the bottom of it. Nobody knew. Put the art in there and left it for years. And it's one of his famous pieces. And people were buying, you know, uh, auctioning millions and millions. And I forget what it sold for. Two million or I I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I'd have to look up how much it sold for, but it's definitely over a million dollars, and I, I believe it was two or a, a lot. Even like just more. Yeah. A lot. It's like ridiculous. Like, whoa, I can't believe that sold for that much money. Moment it sold, that person clicked, you know, okay, sold to that person. Banksy flipped the switch, and the, <gasps> the piece shredded through the bottom of the frame. And there's destruction. That's your destruction, folks. So create all the art that you're creating, but sometimes you have to destroy some things to really to create more create more art. Or enjoy the silence of nothing there. If this were a proper radio show, I would outro with Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode and bid you a wonderful day. Cheers. Make good art. We love you. Cheers. Cheers.